0: Good evening brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. how are you (coughs) today?
1: What
0: is today's day? (laughs) Ja (laughs) Ham Shuman started on the unwholesome mental concomitants, namely the defilements. Uh, we have covered the first two, um, covering greed and hatred, the first two of the uh, uh, primary defilements. Uh, the six primary departments are named primary departments because um, it is from this six that um other arise from. so So, we have covered the first two, uh, we continue with the third one, Shi. Uh, we have not covered Shi, right? Yeah. Um, so, previously mm. I have asked you all to, uh, I've mentioned about one exercise, Yeah. Um, the exercise is about, um, the, about greed, yeah. about um, to recognize and to see for ourselves uh, the kind of satisfaction that things or, or people or whatsoever, yeah, the extent through which they give us satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how many of you remember the exercise? <laughs> okay, I'll give you one minute now. Uh, write down <coughs> Three to five things that bring you satisfaction. Okay, think of the ones that bring you uh, more satisfaction. I'll give you one minute. So I hope you all wrote things besides attending five-hour class. <laughs> I hope you all write very worldly things, uh, because then, because if, if you write down uh, spiritual pursuits, like you attend some meditation class, you attend retreat, you get satisfaction. Uh, every day you do puja, you get satisfaction these satisfactions have no problem. Yeah. So you want to look at the worldly satisfactions, yeah, because that's, that's the interesting part. So uh, look through the list that you have written, and then uh, consider uh, can write down, uh, like, you can put a number besides each of them and then uh, you can indicate from 1 to 5 uh, the, the one that gives you the most satisfaction and down to the one that gives you the least satisfaction. Okay. Uh, and, the, and the point about the exercise was, after that, yeah, so you can do as I am speaking, and you ask yourself whether it's number one or number five, uh, is there any one of them that gives you increasingly more and more satisfaction? Uh, that was the question. We don't deny that there are things in life that give us pleasure, give us satisfaction. You watch a movie, it gives you satisfaction. Uh, but does it give you satisfaction the second time around? Some movies do. Does yeah? some, some Star Wars fans watch with a new hook, like a few like 50 over times or a few hundred times. Yeah. But even then, I would reckon that even for such a case, uh, if the person were to watch it once and immediately watch it a second time and immediately watch it a third time and immediately watch it a fourth time, um, I would think that for most people, uh, the satisfaction and pleasure would decrease. Very strong, blowing in the face. So a bit of aircon, it gives you satisfaction. Continuous aircon doesn't. You can shift the chair actually. Feel free to shift the chair. It's okay. You can shift the chair. Can even move it up here. You know. Our first class seats are currently available for free upgrade. When oh, you downgrade to the coach class, that one is just... You know...
1: You know the worst seat
0: <coughs> in the in plane is the one that is like, right next to a pilot? Yeah, can't get any rest. People keep going in, you know. yeah, and out. Yeah, then the, Huh? And that's the best seat,
1: huh?
0: <laughs> What? What? Okay
1: <laughs> well.
0: Oh no way to kill out. I see Well I guess One man's poison is another man's Food uh. ah yeah. and, and actually Time to think about it uh, This shows how There's no inherent Goodness or badness in things (laughs) like some people like to sit in the seat, yeah i prefer the window seat yeah because i i don't really need to use the toilet most of the time Uh, the 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 12 hour long haul i maybe go once or twice so so satisfaction so the, the, the part of the exercise is then if you go through the list that you have uh, you will probably find that uh, very few of them if any at all give you increasing uh, increased or sustained amount of pleasure or satisfaction okay? especially when you uh, when you peruse it um, at a high frequency, yeah, especially if you use it or have access to it like, without any breaks. Uh, then very quickly, it it's stop giving you satisfaction, yeah. it stop giving you pleasure. Yes? Uh, how about money? Uh, so most people most people don't have haven't reached that critical, critical mass and because we are always in need of using it so the amount we earn usually cannot accumulate fast enough for us to hit that critical mass most people i don't know how many of you here maybe you like a million and i don't know but scientists have done studies about this and they found that uh, once they go past a certain amount, they actually don't feel that much satisfaction anymore. Yeah, I saw a couple of uh, studies about this. I believe the... Um, I think the monthly pay, 7k, right? Yeah. yeah. You saw that article also? Yeah, I thought that was very interesting because... Yeah, 7k. So it says that Once a person hits seven k, you need increasing amount of like even you get more more, it doesn't give you that same level of satisfaction anymore. Yeah. So uh, many things are relative, you know. So for a person who earns two k, so there are two things. uh, one is the relative value of of money. Yeah, how much? How much you get versus how much you currently have yeah, relative to how much you have so if let's say you uh, your, your basic pay is 2k you get a 200 increment that's 10 percent, okay you know decent for this kind of climate yeah economic climate but if you are currently earning 7k and you get a 200 you'll be like looking at boss like is this a joke <laughs> like what did i do wrong <laughs> Uh, then there's the there's the um, re- in relation to to how much you can spend, yeah. Because we are physical beings. Currently, we're physical beings, so there's only that much uh, material things you can produce within a duration of time. So while it is true that for many people, it feels like having more money uh, is never a problem. It seems like having more money is good. But right. it's because we are currently on this side of the curve. We haven't hit the, the, the gradient yet, yeah. the turning point yet. So, anybody else found anything that, uh, that potentially... You know, uh, if you increasing or sustain mm-hmm. satisfaction, more happy, more happy, more happy. Any, any, anybody? Mm-hmm. Listening to classical music. Listening. How long have you listened to before? Classical. It's not always something new. Classical music. Okay. Who do you listen to? Bach? Chopin Chopin? Shakovsky. the I Ah, uh, okay. Well, so you have listened to the point where you can tell the difference. <laughs> 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 Most people can't tell the difference. Uh, So, okay, I'm, I'm glad for you that you found satisfaction, continually. Uh, so hold that thought How about you? Pets. Pet. Pet. Meaning? Having a pet. Okay. And it, it always, it has increasing amount of happiness. No decrease. Uh, What kind of pet do you have? Used to have a dog. Used to have a dog. Uh, And the dog never ever gives you sadness? Uh, When it passed away. Uh, When it passes away. Uh, So that's still a limit. But the
1: duration of the period is increasing or with
0: less? Increasing that's increased happiness well, I'm happy for you but, uh, so that's the thing we tend to consider the passing away the pain coming from the passing away as unrelated to the object or the thing itself you know? so we, we only attribute the happy part yeah, to the pet, but the sad part we don't attribute it to the pet, yeah. so we continue to have attachment to the pet, we continue to think of the pet, or whatsoever, not just the pet, we continue to look at the things that give us pleasure as purely with the quality of pleasure. Yeah. What else? Anybody else? I used to listen to uh If not, it would be
1: the, the
0: um, John Williams uh, soundtrack. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't really a music person. I, I In fact, I avoided music that has lyrics, uh, songs, because it just gets into me so quickly, so it becomes a, a disturbance for me. Uh, so do you like listen to it uh, the whole day? the
1: closest thing that
0: to
1: so when I look at
0: the music, especially The departure I if you like it well. really it it's, it's very interesting. It's always there's always more features. Okay. Sure. So if you are to hear one track over and over again. Because it's an orchestra, to mm. we'll try this, okay? Maybe it's too much to ask. Huh? listen to it for the whole day. Do you think it would be sustained if you listen to it every single day for a month, five hours a day? Are you it yeah. it will be different, isn't it? Do you think so? If it's not the, if it's not different, then you don't have to listen to it again. <laughs> As, in, as in, if you were to just you know, think about it in your mind, yeah, kind of playback in your mind. If the playback is the same as listening to it, then you shouldn't need to listen to it again. Uh, yeah, that's my point.
1: <laughs>
0: so because it's not the same, so despite having like on days think about it in your mind, it's still not the same as if you listen to it five hours a day or eight. That I say it and then for a whole month yeah. but I'm not here to, to, to shove it down your throat and to or, or your ears for that matter uh, and to say that no it, uh, there's nothing that will satisfy you consistently I'm not here to, to just say that uh, that's an axiom and it must be so uh, but rather it's an invitation to for you to explore yourself Uh, and um, in most cases um, the things that appear to give us uh, repeated satisfaction is what will hook us because each time you listen to it you seem to find (laughs) something new so it it has that Which is why for, um, for many movies we don't watch it again because it, it doesn't have that. You know? we watch it again and you're like, ah, okay, same thing. So, um, this, is, this exercise is related to the first of the defilements, of the primary defilements. It was linked to the, the concept about how we, are, we get preoccupied with things. Yeah. And then, if we. Um, it's, it's linked to how we relate to it. Yeah. And as long as we do not see that the pleasure or satisfaction that we derive from it has a limit, yeah. um, that it is. Um, the, that uh, that satisfaction um, not just have a limit, but it is not the way we usually experience it. Until then, we will continue to be uh, enamored by it, continue to be drawn towards it. Uh, yes. Or oh. the, the mind of philosophers and the um, First, first, of first of all, uh, let me not dissect that statement first. But if we go along with that statement, um, the it will still be a form of desire. Then, secondly, uh, in the case of philosophers, uh, we could liken them to to uh, a form of uh, grasping onto concepts. So it's a bit dissociated from the first five senses but um, (laughs) for musicians and artists it's usually to do with the first five senses in which case then uh, uh, how to play music without sound Now, when we talk about sensual pleasures, uh, sometimes some texts, or, or our understanding, limits it to sensual lust, yeah, as in man woman kind of lust. But um, when we talk about sensual desire in Buddhism, it actually is actually not just about that. Yeah, uh, it encompasses any kind of um, craving or desire through the senses. Yeah. Yeah. so as long as it's through one of the senses, yeah, it's is actually included inside. the
1: uh,
0: So it's more of the mind. So yeah. Yeah. So so let's dissect it further. Uh, so in that sense uh, I, have, I have had um, friends who were uh, like the, the artists yeah, really quite refined artists so they would they, they do like a whole range of art and, and it's not like stick figure kind of art like really refined art yeah. because um, in, in China they were they don't just learn as an a subject. When they learn art from high school onwards, they, they, all their subjects is about art. Yeah. Then like some elective is about other things, but mainly art. So they learn Western art, Eastern art, or all, all the you know Renaissance, all the, the whole works basically. Uh, so she ever, uh, she and among other friends ever asked me like. Like when she is doing calligraphy or when she's very focused on her drawing, she would get, get into a zone. Yeah, that is somewhat similar to what is described. Yeah. So, uh, much to her, I don't know whether she was happy or not happy, um, but much to her, perhaps amusement or displeasure, I'll tell her. Yeah, sure, but still not jhana. Yeah, still not Jana. Um, so let me let us take a step back first. Yeah, to say that um, in in Buddhism, if you were to let's say do uh, do walking, uh, let's say what do you call that, rao uh, fu, yeah, meditation and do chanting, you can actually get into a very um, very focused state, yeah. uh, but the fact that you are physically still moving, then the 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 state of the sixth consciousness is is not um, is not at the point where uh, it's able to be you know as stable for the first time, typically. Um, so that includes even if you are sitting and then doing me and four unless you then uh, basically uh, stop the outward yeah. so any kind of activity that requires the first five senses is at the, a at the later stage it becomes an impediment for the mind to go into a more subtle state at the initial stage uh, it can help uh, individuals to become quite focused and refined it's a relative. Thing. Uh, so it's just like how many students would listen to music while studying. It's actually to block out the, the sound outside, yeah, and to block and to sort of like drown their thoughts. Yeah, when they are listening to music, you can't really think anything else that is complicated. Yeah. Uh, so for philosophers and so on. Um, well, the the thinking process is um, is more about abstract concepts, yeah. uh, so can it be likened to jhana? Um, it depends on. I don't want to dismiss it and say it's a hundred percent though, but we must qualify it right. that. If the person, while doing the the corresponding uh, reflections on certain of the philosophy and so on, is able to do it such that the mind becomes somewhat disconnected from the first five senses and the mind is able to be stable from moment to moment, doesn't lead to um, fluctuations, then that state can be. Similar to what we call jhana. You uh, must have that qualifier. Right? Uh, as to the, those, some of those commentaries, I would presume it's uh, recent commentaries because early commentaries Western philosophy haven't developed yet. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have other talks about the exercise? <coughs> okay, if not, we'll continue with the text. So we continue from the previous week, uh, and uh, now we we'll go to the third of the uh, primary defilements, Shi, uh, typically translated as delusion. <coughs> so. Let's
1: look
0: at the text. So this is the opening text. Yeah, so it gives a brief description of how delusion is like. Previously I shared with you all the, the very short, concise, almost uh, funny description Ignorance, 无名, is uh, Then shi, delusion, is yeah. So uh, cannot see Then see wrongly yeah. so, uh, yeah. mm. so here So here it seems to put it synonymously yeah. And you will find that in some texts they do in refer to them synonymously, yeah. uh, but there's some subtle distinction there. Uh, so the Kua Bitu and the uh, uh, there are there are some overlap, uh, uh, but we can say that from ignorance then it gives rise to delusion. Yeah. It is because we are ignorant of how things are, and yet be- we didn't we don't even know that we are we have ignorance. So we assume that what we perceive, what we see is correct. But it's actually wrong. And we hold on to that. So we are deluded in that way. Uh, we have delusion about how things truly are. In fact we don't see. Uh, we are ignorant about it, about it. Uh, <coughs> so you to ming 业果、三宝、三宝等义理及事项，啊，愚迷暗昧，生起疑惑，引起邪见，啊，毁驳无为无，Yeah， so <coughs> so let me just uh, go through this first. So, uh, due to ignorance, yeah. So ultimately, is the, the root is ignorance. So here it lists out a few uh, of the of the different aspects of the truth yeah, of, the, of the teachings. So, siri, yeah, the form of a truth, yeva, karma and the uh, fruit, yeah, karma vipaka, yeah, san the triple gem, 但, yeah, so etc. So it's basically about <coughs> the the whole list of teachings under view. Yeah. That we don't have uh, wisdom, we have ignorance about the, the truth about this world. Yeah. So, yeah. so
1: the
0: so the meaning and the teachings and the principles.
1: Yeah.
0: And the express um, phenomena So, whether it's the principle itself or the the actual uh, uh, phenomena, uh, we we don't have clarity. Mm. We have ignorance about that. Uh, In principle, uh, impermanence. Um, I think in this day and age, very few people will will refute impermanence very few people will say, oh, there's no such thing as impermanence. Uh, But, again, um, in various religions, there is the notion of permanence and eternalism. So, um, in principle, we may agree, but yet, at another level of the principle, in terms of uh, personal belief, we refute it. We say no, no, no. Uh, Never mind what, scientists have discovered, never mind what we have learned, but there are something that that thinks that is eternal. Then at the same time, in terms of um, actual phenomena in this world, the things around us, our physical body, um, anything that we can see, uh, we don't directly um, see that it is eternal. We don't, uh, when we get up, you see that you are, you are intermittent? sometimes is, sometimes no uh, To be fair, we are not totally ignorant. so not so stupid. <laughs> yeah. But usually by the time we find out, it's a bit too late. Uh, by the time we find out, oh yeah, yeah, already, wow, I can pull, release, pull, release, <laughs> yeah. too late. By the time we see the white hair in our, our hair, our head, on our head, uh, a bit too late. So this is the trouble. This is the trouble. We usually uh, realize uh, uh, when it's in your face. Yeah. Only when you see young people, then you realize, oh, we have grown old. <laughs>
1: but even
0: though we know, then the next day is okay. okay. As my real ordination teacher always I say, oh, Huh? <laughs> yeah, so funny. We, we don't we don't consciously think we're gonna live for two hundred years. But the way we live our life, we act like we are gonna live for two hundred years. We we live like there's no end to this. So, ignorance, yeah, ignorance about all this. So, but here it lists out you know, certain specific teachings of the Buddha. and this is just a brief listing. Because if you, if the text would want to list out everything, well, then you have to list out a lot of suttas. So, for more information, you can look at Samaditi Sutta. The teaching on right view, and mind you, uh, uh, you should not just look for that one particular sutta, but you should look at previous sutta talking about views. Yeah, because in certain places, the Buddha give further elaboration. Then, um, it the, the the set actually uh, is not a uh, what? Like, okay, this the fixed set, you know. In some cases, it give a bit more elaboration. Some places, give a more concise one. So, uh, like for example, over here, it doesn't talk about the three universal characteristics Yeah, uh, but this is uh, an obvious one that should be inside. So the extra includes all the different teachings as well. So with respect to all this, uh, when a person is uh, has ignorance. That what happened with respect to all this, uh, the person is uh, has
1: Yu me An
0: me. The person has uh, is is confused, is uh, blinded by it, is uh, fooled by it. Yeah. And as far as the truth is concerned, An me. <inaudible> yeah. There's the shock of darkness, know of. Uh, metaphor here. Unmade means it's unclear. Yeah. When unclear about what is really there. When we talk about the four noble truths, yeah, Susan suffering, cause of suffering, end of suffering, way to the end of suffering. Yeah. Who don't know? Everybody know. Yeah. After attending basic Buddhism course, yeah. Some listen to a few talks, read a few books. Who don't know? Yeah. So the a common question that um, Buddhists who attend dharma class would have is, hey, "So am I enlightened already? Since I heard the form of the truth, that, hey. And especially you know after practicing a bit, wow, Then you things seems to improve. Then you, eh? Hey. Hey, eh? Am I okay. enlightened already? Or sometimes you start to wonder, why am I still not enlightened, after knowing this? The answer is actually inside the Sutta itself, because the Four Noble Truths is not just something for us to know, and even for the first one, the First Noble Truth is to be comprehended, Second Noble Truth is to be abandoned, Third Noble Truth is to be attained, Fourth Noble Truth is to be developed. I don't know why, but many texts just list out the four noble Truth but omit this part. This part is actually in the sutta or the Buddha's of the four noble truths. Highlighted the four noble truths already. The truth, or taught the four noble truths, and then highlighted for each of these what to do with it. <coughs> then, over the over the years, as I read through the different Suttas, then I found that ah. Oh, Another, another, almost like a standard phrase would uh, would recur, and it is, uh, it will say like, then so and so, saw it as it is. Suffering is suffering. Cause of suffering is cause of suffering. End of suffering is end of suffering. The path leading to the end of suffering is the path leading to the end of suffering. It's almost like what okay. oh. you yeah. So the first time is very a... <laughs> yeah, of course Of course cool, is cool T huh? is yeah. But over the years yeah, I realized ah. see So as much as we We can Read about it, listen to talks, yeah, hear about it. But when we see it in our life, we still don't see it. When we see see things around us, we still don't see this, this as suffering, that as suffering. We don't see it. We only you know, know the concept. And then, to begin with, there are many other people who don't even know the concept. So even after knowing the concept, we don't see it readily in our life. We only see part of it. We don't completely see it. So even for the first noble truth, we haven't completely comprehended it. Only part of the first noble truth, the suffering or pain, that that is quite apparent so most people can see the suffering of pain so that's why we, we are we are not attracted to it we are able to say I want to you know be free of it but we don't see the second or the third type of suffering the second type of suffering is basically masked by pleasure so we go from uh, suffering of pain and we try to avoid it and we run away to enjoy ourselves. But we jump into the second part of pain, of suffering. Or we try to remove it, thinking that removing it is a, is a solution. But if you remove it, if you only remove it, then is it end of suffering? Yeah, in a way, you remove that suffering. But then you go into neither painful nor pleasure or pleasant, which is a third kind of suffering. Do you, do you see this? So when we meditate, the leg is painful, and then we move our, our leg, uh, we have the wish, you know. Now if you if I if Sifu offer you 1000 dollars and say, if you don't move for five minutes, I'll give you one thousand dollars. So I'll give you two thousand dollars, you let me move. <laughs> okay, maybe you're okay, okay I see. <laughs> In fact, uh, so the, the the reason why we have this strong you know, urge to move is because we, we see that the, the state where there's no pain, or we see that as, as most supreme, is relatively better, but by itself, it's no better because it's the third kind of suffering. But we cannot talk anymore about this because anymore then we deviate from the truth. Anymore you need to go and observe yourself. So the four noble truth. Even just the four noble truth, which we all would think that eh, so oh as far as four noble truth, that's ignorance. Eh? We have learned the four noble truth. So we don't have ignorance about it. Actually we still have. Because we haven't truly seen suffering as suffering. We only see this part is suffering, that part not suffering. So that's why we are always going around in circle. so there's this this layer here. Now I will not go into all the different parts of the teaching, now. otherwise today <laughs> someone just asked me, so. Uh how, how long more will we go? <laughs> so by the way, the the booklet that you all have uh, was printed kindly by the volunteers uh, but the text itself uh, is is actually a whole book so we're covering only up to page 54 uh, so we're almost halfway through already uh, so possibly Maybe by mid next year. (laughs) If we can finish it this year, of course, why not? Yeah, but as my teacher would, my lead ordination teacher would say, "So what if we finish it? If if you imagine if we study this for let's say three more years." But after 3 years, you manage to, when you look at this text, 四, 四地, the four noble the shu. Then you, as you recollect the four noble truth, you see it as it is, ah, suffering is suffering. Cause of suffering is cause of suffering. End of suffering, yeah, I, there, there's really no more suffering. And you see, truly so, see that, ah, the path that you have taken, the noble, info path, is truly the path leading to the end of suffering. Yeah, isn't that worthwhile? Because only then can we say that oh, ignorance and delusion has been removed. Otherwise, it's still good, still good don't, don't be Yeah,
1: It's
0: still good that at least we have a concept of things, and at least we recognize that, okay. We have solved part of the puzzle already. Now the question is how to solve the other, the rest of the puzzle.
1: Okay. Uh, uh,
0: the first is to be comprehended, or uh, in some texts they translate as understood. Yeah. The second is to be attended. Third is to be attained. Fourth is to be developed or cultivated. Next and the good news Sifu, <laughs> I tried immediately <laughs> 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 eh, Tsa kong I I, I I think I think mm-hmm. many people are stuck at this point because after reading, four number two, that's it ah. then what else is there to do ah, actually this is what we need to do okay so, uh, due to ignorance, then a the person is doesn't have clarity. Doesn't see this this truth and teachings as they are, yeah? whether in principle or in uh, in real life. Yeah? yeah, with respect to to uh, the world, to themselves, to others, they do not see things as they are and as a result equal <coughs> so give rise to uh, doubt give rise to uh, uncertainty confusion why? why is it so? why is it that when we don't see it then it gives rise to doubt? because the buddha came out saying that it's like this like that but when it comes to Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, so we doubt. Uh, impermanence, again, I I'm must say, easier to uh, wrap our head around. Uh, no self walk, how to plant and Sometimes certain explanation of no self can be quite obscure. Sometimes it's because we are not so familiar with the terms and so on. So, giving rise to doubt. But in Buddhism, as I uh doubt is not a crime. Although it's one of the one of the factor the fetter is not seen as a crime, as a sin. There's no such a concept. As long as you haven't seen the truth, of course you will have doubt. Because you don't know whether it's true or not. Now, you may, you may, out of devotion have faith, that uh, since the Buddha says so, it should be correct. Or since Sifu says so, it should be correct. Yeah, but, actually that is just based on faith. Yeah, And within faith, there can be an element of that uncertainty also. So un- until you are, you have seen for yourself yeah. otherwise yeah, normal to have doubt, normal to have doubt. Ah, but, uh, maybe, let me see uh, I want to talk about doubt um, okay, let me continue this and because of that ying qi Jian, wrong views evil pernicious view So, what kind of wrong views? All kinds of wrong views, including uh, the view that there is something permanent. Last week, someone shared with me a very interesting uh, wrong view. Uh, So, this person, um, her friend told her about, uh, or rather, her friend questioned her, challenged her, you know. Like, um, do y'all tell your friends or colleagues that you are attending Dharma class? Some of y'all? Most of y'all? Not that we actively, hey, I'm going Dharma class but Sometimes they ask why are you always rushing off on Wednesday? Oh, I got Dharma class. Why must you rush? Because I must be on time. Why must be on that? Because it's very interesting. (laughs) So, so anyway, this, this, this person, uh, the friend tell her you go for so much all these classes uh, so on and so forth but how do you know it's correct? how do you know? and then this person shared, shared this very interesting story what if you, you imagine okay like what if all the books of Harry Potter is being destroyed and maybe a hundred years later only one person who has seen the movie Harry Potter can remember it. The rest of humanity have all forgotten about Harry Potter. And then this person tells future generations about the story of Harry Potter. This is about this boy with a scar who has magical powers. So this, this friend says, and after several generations, you end up having people worshiping Harry Potter as a god. Okay. So, with this, he suggests that uh, perhaps, you know, how do you know that you are not studying a version of Harry Potter? <laughs> I mean, on one hand, it's quite funny, because yeah. it's so ridiculous. Yes. But on the other hand, ah, so I, I asked I ask this person, so what do you think? Never mind the reply, the reply is quite... The, re- the reply was, you know? <laughs> uh, but in in the end, the person told me that, oh, she actually gave some answer. But what's interesting that I want to share with you is, how uh, people can come up with amazing concepts and theories about things, you know? I shouldn't use the word theory because, uh, it doesn't deserve to be called a theory, yeah. a hypothesis, yeah. that is not even structured properly because such a hypothesis doesn't apply to Buddhism. Yeah. Because in in the c- case of the Harry Potter example, it applies more to the worship of a god. We don't worship the Buddha as a god to begin with. Yeah. Further, um, In Buddhism, the very requirement for enlightenment is that you must be able to verify whatever that has been taught. Whatever truth there is, you must be able to verify. You cannot simply accept on faith and accept until you you attain enlightenment. It doesn't work that way. So the premise of that story doesn't fit with how Buddhism is as a religion, if you can call it a religion. Some people question whether it should be called a religion, as we know. So the other question that was posed was about uh, translation. How do we know whether a certain translation is correct or not? Uh, So have you ever thought about this, whether the translation is correct? If you have, good. If you don't have, also good. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's okay to question whether the translation is correct or not. Uh, But there are certain things that um, (coughs) that uh, becomes part of what we call first principle assumptions. So, for example, uh, when we question translations, sometimes you can question whether the exact term is translated correctly. Sometimes you can question whether the the way it's being presented, yeah, in the translation, uh, was there certain things that's omitted or lost in translation. So, uh, uh, the I think the example given. Uh, the Indeed, we don't have to go into specific yeah. so So when we question translations, uh, there are certain rules as well. Yeah. You cannot simply use the, the translation card, uh, translation error card, and say, oh, I don't agree. Simply And then simply say, this could be wrong because of translation. Yeah. Oh, under certain specific conditions, then you can use translation error as a reason to, to question. Otherwise. Otherwise, if you're going to say that um, translation could be a problem, then basically you have to throw out all the text. Isn't it? Because which of you have heard searching si Pusa uh, give out this teaching? I, I thought so, nobody. <laughs> yeah. How about Pali Canon? Yeah. Has any Theravadan monk who is alive today heard of? Venerable Ananda recite in the first council. Oh, yeah, no, no, no one. So my point is, in fact, the point I gave that day was that if you look at any religion, almost all religion that is ancient enough or old enough, all depend on translated texts. Yeah, almost all depend on translated texts. So if you're know the going to question, then you have to apply that to all religions, then basically you have to draw all religions. So, um, um, this is what I share in some classes. Um, as far as the authenticity of the teaching is concerned, let me just do the shortcut one. Eh? Buddhism is more like science than art. Yeah. If, you have a, if you find a piece of uh, art piece that looks like Van Gogh, or you found a, a music a set of musical notes that is, looks like the pattern of Chopin or, or some, somebody uh, they would have some ways to to, to curate and then to, to find out whether this is authentic yeah. whether it's Beethoven or Bach or whoever yeah. uh, some lost manuscript of Bach well, can you imagine well, I don't know but in terms of Drawing, uh, they have very specific ways to to determine the date and the period, yeah, not just the style, but even the material, yeah, because certain certain color, yeah, uh, was composed using certain materials for a certain time period. Then at a certain time period, that material went out of fashion, and so was not used. Yeah, and then there's the question of certain artists; they like to use certain material for a certain color. So with all this, curators can determine the. The time, the period, more or less. That plus the style and so on, they can maybe a certain okay, quite close. And if it's very close, then the artist is worth a lot. If it's not, then it's worth almost nothing. And it's not about how well the drawing is done, you know, because you could take a high resolution, hundred megapixel of Mona Lisa, and we print with like phaser, color laser, whatever and it's worth $20, $20 for the printing. Yeah. It's not worth $20 million. Buddhism is less like art in terms of authenticity of teachers. Yeah. It is more like science. If you find a formula, uh, the value of the formula is whether it describes the world uh, accurately, and not who wrote it not so much who wrote it, but whether it fits, it describes accurately the physical world. In the case of Buddhism, it's the same thing. If one day we find that the Buddha's description of how things are actually don't match, then we have to sit down and we have to call for the seven or 8 council and say, hey guys, I guess we wasted our time. <laughs> but we should be glad that we've discovered this early enough So we can abandon this We can abolish this already yeah. In Buddhism, this is our attitude So Right view, wrong views yeah. um, If a person Were to <coughs> uh, See things wrongly yeah, But then Conclude that it's correct That is considered a wrong view Wrong view here is not just about opinions. Anyone can have an opinion. It's not necessarily considered to be uh, wrong view. Wrong view must be such that you have a very developed way of thinking and you hold on to it. Then it's considered a view. Uh, So, uh, I mean, sometimes coffee shop talk, people can say whatever they want to say. Do they say whatever they want to say, they go back home, they, they forget about what they said also. Yeah. In which case, that is not considered a view. Yeah. Not worth considered to be considered a view. Yeah. So, if a person has ignorance, then it can give rise to delusion, it can give rise to doubt, uncertainty, confusion, and even give rise to wrong view. And uh yeah, Wei and as a result refute whatever that the Buddha has discovered as point. Uh, like the account that I just shared. And this person think that don't, be so, don't take take it so seriously, you know. Yeah. How do you know whether it's actually just like a Harry Potter story? How do you know? So I, I told this person, well, well did, did this person even learn what this Buddhism is about? Yeah. I mean, I have no uh, no issue with anyone having such a statement. Yeah, but what is the basis for making such a statement? Yeah. But more importantly, uh, uh, I, I actually went on a repertoire. And that person who told me this story. Yeah. Because to me, uh, if we attend some dharma class, even just some, we, when we hear such a statement, we should be able to say, no, it doesn't make sense. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, but it doesn't make sense. And it's on this, this, this ground set at this point. If, if Buddhists do not stand up to refute, common stand for you know commonly ah. Uh, we just have the kind of like, ah uh, yeah, uh, don't don't talk with people we just keep quiet. <laughs> only talk for, inside our mind, don't even put our hearts... Yeah, just in the mind. I, uh, this is not quite the Buddha if yeah. You go and look at Diga Nikaya. In one of the sutras, the Buddha highlighted how we should respond to false accusations. If Buddhists don't even stand up to clarify, doesn't mean that we must kick up the ruckus and then you
1: know,
0: or even like for you have like, wrong view, I don't friend you anymore. Doesn't have to be. But if we consider ourselves as a Buddhist, or we attend some Dharma class, or we have benefited from Buddhism, then doesn't Buddhism deserve our effort to clarify? We should. It is the least we should expect ourselves to do. Because if all Buddhists apply it, right, you know, anytime, that's so good. Can you come to Turkey you know, having dinner. But my friends say this, but I don't feel like saying, can you come and see something? Or that's so good. Ah, yes, what's the problem? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time we should have uh, a special scut line Uh, line Okay When there is wrong view, who you gonna call? V-C-G yeah. So <coughs> Yeah. So, uh, one last thing about this wrong view, and then um, basically uh, disparaging the, the teachings of truth, and then nullifying it, saying that no, all this is false, no such thing. Yeah. Uh, contrary to what most people think, there, is, there are consequences to doing something like that. Yeah. In various teachings, the Buddha highlighted the consequences of having wrong view. Is we birth in the uh, in the lower realms or hell, uh, yeah, there are consequences. you go and look at Mahamudra Nikara. you go and look at various sutras. Most Buddhists have this myself. my son and daughter, even if they go out to other religion, okay lah. religion teaches better okay, but in the Sutta, the Buddha actually stated, "Only you know, if you have wrong view, then the consequences is lower." You know, because we have delusion. Yeah. And worse still, if you belong, if, if your children or anyone, are for that matter, were to adopt certain religion that outrightly, you can denounce teachings of truth. If the person just keep quiet, mouth shut, you know, some religion they have their own. Opinion, but they don't. When wow, tell everybody and try to, you know, and that's that, that's also not. As far as wrong views concerned, there are consequences. Whereas if you go and advocate wrong views, uh, so many Buddhists think, uh, okay enough. it's not okay. Uh, it's not okay. There are consequences. Yeah. But of course, you see, or well, everybody so. Oh, <laughs> okay, let's come back to Happy Land. Uh, happy Land. Okay, <coughs> okay. <coughs> So, from from ignorance, then delusion. From this, then give to greed, hatred, and all the other subsequent. Uh, the and being compelled in this way, uh, all kinds of evil, unwholesome deeds So as, as I said uh, before, so if a person has ignorance and then give rise to delusion, so we don't see things as they are, we don't see things clearly, without clarity, so as we experience pleasantness, then we can't help but uh, uh, delight in it. And not seeing it as it is, uh, we don't relate to it correctly. And so, from that, uh, conduces to us giving rise to greed, desire, craving, want. Then, for unpleasantness or pain, we also don't see it as it is. We don't see that due to conditions, and this arise. We don't see that because of that, it is impermanent also. Yeah. So, we give rise to aversion to a and repulsion and some and, and then give the to anger or hatred and so on so forth. And all there are subsequent ones which you'll go through as well. So uh Nao Gan Tao So doesn't just stop there yeah you know, because after you do uh, it leads to us experiencing whole your future future life you know, future uh, painful fruits and as a result send you give rise to all the uh, mixed favorite things all the different things things of sensuality things of being taints of ignorance three kinds of taints So it's here And that's why uh, delusion or ignorance is the uh, depend dependent. Yeah. So all the uh, tainted things in this world. Tainted phenomena, taintedness in this world arise dependent on uh, delusion, dependent on ignorance. questions. During
1: yeah, you know,
0: you know, national you know, service, one uh, of was when I mean, you talk about right? Right. right? The
1: image that conjured my mind was uh, after I'm not sure you remember this case, officer, like, the young
0: officer, uh,
1: run over uh,
0: my mm-hmm. left oh. I be from my like, okay. Then I saw the barrel. you realise they want me?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Room. So for... Uh, yeah, in the same year, I think of the situation. Oh. But so in the same year, I have been very in nature. I walking into the house, but I was be there. Oh. Wait, you
0: walking into your room, but you wasn't there? So like, the same I would... I think my dreams so, uh, so or certain feeling of people. Okay.
1: it you you would to a and a
0: the this this that this is in is. Right. So, uh, uh, the the question he is asking is whether we are conditioning ourselves to see certain things as truth. Yeah. That if you if we keep learning, uh, all things are impermanent, then do we then end up seeing this aspect of life, and then because we so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah. So uh, let's go with yes first. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's assume that it is a self-selection bias uh, conditioning. Uh, so assuming it is yes, I'm not saying it's yes, but assuming it is yes, the question is if we are able to see that then does it then lead to uh, revulsion and then renunciation and uh, emancipation? Yeah. If it does, then in a way it's a good uh, brainwashing if you will. Yeah. So uh, then the question is, um, is, it, um, is it? If we can agree, uh, the first part. Okay, if we can agree that uh, even if it's a, if it's a self-selection bias conditioning, that even then it can actually lead to, what we call nirvana, uh, or it could be that when we are when a person attain nirvana, everybody look at that person as see you know, when person just <laughs> could be I don't know you know. <laughs> Yeah, but the person is in super high glee, you know. <laughs> After all, there are a lot of descriptions of yogis and masters who who behave quite erratically and are on a perpetual high. But let's let's assume that the path is uh, not so good. Huh? Then we ask the question: Okay, um, how do we know that uh, it is not? A self-selection bias. Yeah. Um, so it has to do with the approach that we take. <coughs> yeah, the approach, the approach where we cultivate and verify. It. Um, the so the 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 approach we see from the from the various lineage, and how the Buddha um, sort of engage the the Sangha uh, oftentimes was in the form of a question so a question can go either way so he would ask the question, is form permanent or impermanent and so on and so forth, the whole standard formula and we can see from the text uh, it is not always that everybody agrees some people agree because they see it and then they delight in it but there are those who didn't see it. Yeah. So in Buddhism, we uh, we have this avenue where you it is not a so-called in forcible, falsifiable um, truth that you must accept. Yeah. So that's why oftentimes in my class, uh, the, the the exercise initially is to just say, hey, see whether you can understand this train of thought and use this this uh, principle and apply it. But at the later stage of the class, um, like Hatsutra, then the exercise take a twist and I will invite the students to go and find something that refutes the teaching. Yeah, so you are explicitly asked to go and find a counter-toucher. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that people are not so brainwashed <laughs> They cannot find a counterfactual, simply because of the brainwashing. But rather, that through the the uh, investigation, that we are still having free will and free mind, and the fact that the exercise involves us to go and look for a counterfactual, meaning you look for an opposite case. Buddha say all things are impermanent. You try to go and find things that is permanent. In fact, in it, it Hart sutra class, uh, even in the initial stages, there are students who ask questions like, "Hey, but Sir, how about this?" And we don't say, "Hey, shh, well, no, cannot mention that." But we say, "Okay, let's let look at it." Yeah, and it is this approach that um, I like to think uh, helps remove the or helps prevent that self selection bias. So, uh, so if there's one thing I would advise all of you, uh, it is that in the process from hearing, contemplation, to uh, cultivation or, or verification, if you will, uh, perhaps the only part which is a bit more uh, just received is the hearing part. And it's, it's still not simply just here and accept 100%. But at least you must 100% here so that you know what is being taught. Uh, beyond that, the subsequent parts all require us to, to uh, do critical examination. So if, if, let me give you a, a parallel to modern science. So, for example, we, we learn certain things in science. Then, so we have we are first told that water comprises hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah, uh, the whole experiment is already set up. We just have to go through it. So, one could argue that <laughs> there's there's even more, you know, uh, but uh, it's structured such that there's nothing to say that when you put water with a bit of hydrochloric acid and then put two. Uh, one copper and one you know, iron or something, uh, and run a current through it. There's nothing to say that it will definitely have two parts uh, hydrogen and one part oxygen. Uh, there's nothing that says it will be like that. So it's a it's a process of seeing for yourself that yeah, when once you turn on the current, and then before you know it, one part has more space than the other part. And even at that point, you don't simply conclude that it's hydrogen and oxygen. Then you do the uh, the, the burning splinter and the glowing splinter experiment. Uh, burning splinter into hydrogen, uh, glowing splinter into oxygen. In fact, you, you do both. You do both onto both. And the one that pop, uh, uh, the one that pop with the uh, uh, glowing splinter is uh, the one that bursts in the flame is oxygen. The one that Combust violently is hydrogen. So, in much the same way, um, in Buddhism, we uh, there are certain features of of reality that is described, but it's up to us to go and observe. Yes. That's good. Um and I just it, on one hand I have no doubt that this is the right yes. On the other hand I just want to make sure that I'm not that's that's also good. It's good to have this uh, um, this level of uh, critical examination uh, on ourselves and also on the future. In fact, maybe I'd relate it to you if you all are there. Um, <clears throat> my family and friends would know me as someone who is very argumentative. Some would even use the word Um uh, But I like to think that I have this uh, desire to, to... Drill into what the truth is, even since a young age. Uh, but over the years, I realized that in the uh, in the earlier years, the tendency is you want to be you want to argue and win the argument. You know, typically we want to do that. So um, there was one occasion where, I mean, over the years I've been doing translation with my Dharma brother, and we don't always agree with the translation, and sometimes we don't even agree with what our teacher taught. To be very honest with you all, we were like, eh? I thought our teacher said this. Then we went and refer to the transcript, and we we're like, "Hey, eh? how come he said this?" Huh? but then the Buddha in or the Buddha or other text say that. We were like, oh, I think maybe he made a mistake here. Okay, cannot agree with him. <laughs> so in that process, it was a. Uh, um, it was quite exciting because, you know, how many times do you sit down and say, I think our teacher he got it wrong, you know. Uh, but it's not that we are like, yeah, our teacher is wrong. But more like, it, it for me, at least, it made me realize that, yeah, um, he, the fact that he is not infallible made me have more confidence in what he said, actually. Yeah. That we don't have to assume that he, everything he says is correct. Number one. Number two is because of that process, sometimes we would spend two hours just over one sentence. (laughs) If you think that this is slow, (laughs) wait till you see how we translate. (laughs) So, sometimes over one sentence, we go back and forth, refer to different texts, and then still have no conclusion. So, there was one time we were having a translation and then he, he raised a certain point, I raised a certain point and then I yeah. went on full repertoire for almost like 15 minutes, half an hour or so and then da 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 hence concluding that I am wrong <laughs> <laughs> And then he was like, oh, okay Huh? What? He was like, what? Initially he was like, okay, yeah, you're wrong Then after a while, it took him a few seconds after like, what do you mean? <laughs> Because it's, it's seldom that you have your opponent, you know, concluding that the person is wrong. But yeah, um I, I was I was quite um stunned myself. Yeah, but I had to admit that on that day my conclusion was I was wrong. Yeah. And because of that, um, it it changed the dynamics. Yeah. It it, it increased that mutual faith in uh, between the two of us because now he knows that I'm not always trying to just win the argument I'm really trying to get make sure that our translation is correct then there was another time we were arguing then suddenly he, in fact I, I he, he raised a point then I just come out with a point and he quite quickly said okay, yeah, sure then when he just agreed then I said no, no, okay we wait, 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 let's go back and take a look I thought I really agree <laughs> I said Yeah, you agree too quickly <laughs> When you agree so quickly Then I'm, I'm afraid That both of us Actually got it wrong Yeah So um, In Buddhism uh, I'm, I'm still exploring and learning And I find that the, the, the more I go into the translation And sharing and teaching I find that uh, Yeah, you you never know really and it's okay In Buddhism it's actually okay and I would want to invite you and all of you to continue to ask this question Did I really get it right? Yeah, and even if you are not sure, it's okay because ultimately the question is to the point where you got it what does that do for you? Because that is the ultimate litmus test. Because the teaching was discovered and taught for one and one purpose to put an end to suffering. So to the, to the extent that your discovery and your realization and your appreciation of whatever you have discovered can put an end to suffering, to that to the extent it is the truth. And in a way it brings bring us full circle to the example, to the question of the Harry Potter story. uh, Which is that, uh, I ever told people before, uh, if you ask me, do I know that the Pali Canon, the Mahana Sutras, are they really all 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 authentic? I say, well, actually I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the Four Noble Truth wasn't exactly how it is when the Buddha taught. How how many of you know that is (laughs) exactly? You don't know. uh. You have to agree that we truly don't know. Perhaps, in in other religions, whatever I'm going to say uh, will will cause me to be (laughs) killed. But uh, in Buddhism, we can say that perhaps, who knows, maybe in the Buddha's time, the Buddha didn't teach four noble truths, maybe taught six noble truths. Then somehow translate, translate, then pass the word pass until that four. Maybe. Maybe it's not cool female, but it's something else Like, How do you know it's not? You really don't know. Next thing, nobody come for class. <laughs> but let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned now, like if you ask me this question 20 years ago, I will argue and fight with you until the cow come by just to be assured that it is really the of worship the way it is taught today, the way it's written down today. But today... Now you ask me, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not so concerned. All I know is, regardless of whatever was exactly said in the Buddha's time, after all the transmission, today, all the major traditions unanimously agree, agree on the form of issue, the way it's codified today. And at least in concept, yeah, and if we test the principle, it seems to indicate that these four noble truths, at least the first three noble truths, can be verified readily. And if there's one thing I take refuge in, it is I take refuge in this methodology, this principle that leads to end of suffering. I don't take refuge in, in in that, oh, there was someone who specifically said these words. I don't take refuge in that. So for what I can maybe nobody said that, you know, but somehow translate, translate, then pass around, then suddenly have this thing that can lead to end of suffering. I take refuge in this. And I don't know whether I shared with you all the story of of the toy. Your favorite toy. Have I asked this question for this class? No? Okay, recap if I have said before. Think of your favorite toy. From when you're young, five years old or seven years old, okay. Think of when you ha- get to play with it. Do you have fun? Say yes. Favorite toy. Okay. By definition, you must have fun. Okay. Those who don't see me after this for professional counseling. Now, um, then try to recall when you don't get to play with it. Yeah, when your mommy say, hey, it's keep it, time for dinner, time for lunch, time to go to school, Cannot play? How did it feel? Now, some of you may feel upset, some of you may feel sad, some of you may feel okay. Yeah. But one thing is for sure, in terms of happiness level, it should be lower than when you get to play your favorite toy. Great. If it's the same, then what kind of favourite toy is that? <laughs> yeah, so by definition, if it's your favourite toy, getting to play should be better than not getting to play. As to how much worse or better uh, should be worse if you don't get to play. How much worse, it depends on individual. Okay, we're not going to the extent of the degree yet, yeah? but we can all agree up to this point. Okay? And up to this point, it doesn't matter whether the Buddha actually said the form of Shiva. In fact, it doesn't even require to believe in the form of Shiva at this point in time. Because I haven't even bring in the form of Shiva. Now, today, did you not bring your toy? No, I hope not. <laughs> uh, who knows, uh, some of you ladies, it like, <laughs> or the older ones, paper doll. So, now the question is, Y'all don't have a toy today Is it the same as before when you don't get to play with your toy? Shouldn't be the same, I hope Again, if you actually secretly harbor deep grief You have to see me for counseling <laughs> So the question is In the past when you don't have the toy You grieve, you are not so happy But today when you don't have the toy, you are okay Yeah. As far as the toy is concerned, you are okay you may not be okay with respect to it. some things, but as far as the toy is concerned, you're okay. In fact, if I never mention about the, your favorite toy, you, when is the last time you think about your favorite toy? Yeah. So, now the question is, what is the difference? What created, what caused this difference between how we react to our favorite toy? And consider, what if now Sifu snap my fingers and imagine in front of you, your favorite toys were to just appear. After getting over the the shock and and surprise of how Sifu can do that, then ask yourself, are you as excited with the toy as before? Probably not. Maybe there's a moment of nostalgia. Maybe even uh, a bit of like, ah, ah but surely not the same as before. And then Sifu snapped the other finger and all the toys disappeared. I'm, I hope. I think, I think none of you will be crying. No, Sifu, give me back my toy. I don't think so. Yeah. So the question is, why this difference? Try to to answer the question, try to imagine it really happening. And just keep the answer. Don't 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 think oh, according to uh Weishi uh, <laughs> what no. Yeah, just imagine if it really happened and then ask yourself, why is it that when I was a kid I get so upset when I don't get to play my toy, I get so high when I have my toy. But now even if mm-hmm. shifu all the toys appear, I don't feel that high. And when Shifu remove the toy, I'm still okay. Uh, Quack, as always, give the very straight to the point answer. <laughs> uh, what is it about growing old? Uh, why? Do, why don't you play with toys?
1: <laughs> 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 well,
0: wasn't exactly the answer I was expecting or hoping for. What else? What else besides Sinal? <laughs> not everybody is Sinal, mind you And they are not Sinal yet, for sure My what? Mature
1: Ah
0: How differently? Don't try to give modern Buddhist answer How differently? The rest how, di- how differently? Could you mention about maturity? Different satisfaction, level. different satisfaction level. And why? Why do we derive different satisfaction level? Attachment reduced. Attachment to the toy is reduced. Would you say that today you want the toy more than before or less than before less than before your want of the toy is less today than it was before this part is true you don't need to attend Dharma class to know this you just sit down here you think about the thought experiment yeah it's because we don't want that toy as much as to why that's another thing Uh, but at least we know that we don't have so much of a want of it, and perhaps because of that, we are not so attached to it. Yeah. To begin with, as I said before, I even mentioned none of you thought about it. So, at this point, are you all suffering because of the absence of the toy? Say no. Okay. So, congratulations. You have experienced. The end of suffering. As far as the toy is concerned. You have experienced Nibbana. As far as the toy is concerned. the This is the proof. Let me show you. When I write it down, then it becomes clearer. What is today's state again? Yeah. So think about it, right? <coughs> so in the past and in, in the present So we have the toy. toy no less and then we have um, uh, we have the uh, no toy and yes toy meaning you have the toy or no you don't have the toy huh so in the past when you had a toy you are happy yes Yeah. No, you don't have the toy? Not happy. Sad. Present when you have a toy, are you happy? Are you not happy? Yeah. Neither happy nor not happy. Ah neither. When you don't have the toy, also, and this, as we have discussed, you can add things uh, if, if we, you find that there's something missing. The difference between past and present is that for the present, want and attachment of the toy. In the past, is there want? Yes. Is there attachment? Yes. Present? No. Implies? <laughs> <coughs> so, when you have want and attachment, it causes us to to ha- become elated when you have it, sad when you don't have it. This is the first noble truth yeah? That your suffering The cause of suffering is Craving and clinging yeah? Attachment to things When you remove that yeah. When you remove craving and attachment Then what happens to suffering? It's supposed to end Does it end? Yes so <coughs> y'all will remember I drew this uh, chart Sorry, it's supposed to cross the origin, and this is the suffering, this craving and attachment and this is not supposed to be a bomb, it's supposed to be a straight line. So S equals to KC plus B uh, K is a uh, a is a zero non-zero constant greater than zero and then B is a constant that is equal to zero. Yeah. So, <coughs> so when you have your craving reduced to zero, then if you come all the way down over here and this is Buddha is here. Where are we? Are we here? No, we are somewhere here, here. Oh, Somewhere here <laughs> Somewhere here, I don't know where yeah. So The banner is where Where C equals to 0 yeah, The banner is where C equals to 0 And when C equals to 0 Then s equals to zero <laughs> so the, the toy example I gave you the reason why I concluded it with saying that you have experienced nirvana already is because this, ex, this toy experiment highlights the very principle of the first three noble truths that suffering depends on how you relate to something it depends on whether you have attachment, yeah. you have want, you have craving or not. That if you remove this and suffering comes disappear, this this relationship is epitomized by the third noble truth. The third noble truth and the first two noble Truth are interlinked. It is it is actually defined in this formula. Yeah. But the third noble truth doesn't exist. Independently by itself. It is basically the describing when cause of suffering comes to an end, then suffering itself must come to an end. So does it mean that you are arahant? No. Because the nirvana you have experienced is just partial. Why partial? You are only with respect to that toy. Because after that toy, you found new toys. <laughs> That's why we are, we are never quite enlightened. Before you get over one toy, you find a new toy. And then as we grow up, we find more and more toys. Better, more toy And after a while, we are not just satisfied with one favorite toy, we have multiple toys. That's why our, our happiness, no, 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 no. Our suffering, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm surprised I never go through this this toy example with y'all before. Those who are repeat students should have heard this. (laughs) Hasutra I I went through also. Hasutra I I went through. I first went through this. I first went through this in uh, in the monastery at one of the group cultivation, not SGC, but one of the group cultivation, a small group. And as I share this, after I finished sharing, I went into a five minute crazy laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that five minute, all the students
1: <laughs> and after I
0: finished, I asked them, Do you know why I laugh? Then I'm like then they're like, I'm like the fact that you all didn't laugh, the it
1: means you're
0: Sometimes people ask Buddhism, what what is your end goal? Most people don't even know that it's called nirvana. For those who know that it's called nirvana, when people ask you, how do you know that there's nirvana? This is this is this is solid proof of the principle of nirvana. And you notice that up to this point, we don't need to bring in any dharma teachings or knowledge. You know, this is directly from your own experience that. Yeah, as long as you are not attached to it, you don't suffer anymore. The trouble is, we are somehow attached to something.
1: (laughs) So we are not
0: enlightened. So, the principle. Although, for ourselves, we have not applied the principle throughout, but as long as the principle is valid, it's valid. As long as it's valid, it's valid. It is just like, (coughs) <coughs> if I ask you, um, let's say, uh, 2 plus 2. Why is 2 plus 2? 4. Uh, what? I <laughs> uh, For the record, uh, whoever is listening to this uh, podcast, the answer is not 22, it's 4, okay? You are calculating in decimal place. <laughs> Now, if I were to then ask you 2 times 2, of course it's 4, right? So, how about 64 times 64? Don't, we don't use a calculator. Huh? 3768. 376. 376. Oh yeah, yes, three seven six. Now the question I want to ask you is: When you were in primary school, did your teacher teach you this? Say yes. Primary school you learned this, yeah. Multiple the addition table. Did your teacher teach you this. Huh? Your teacher never teach you two times two equals four. <laughs> Okay, assuming like assuming la I don't you know how some of your teachers <laughs> But in primary school we have in all our exercise books at the back, I don't know about now, but at the back there's a multiplication table. Yeah. So we learn it by heart. Yes? But actually the point of the of all the exercises, homework and so on, wasn't for us to memorize by heart. Today, when I show you this, given enough time, and if I give you a piece of paper, you can definitely work it out. Yeah. Why? Because even though your teacher never teach you this exact set, you're able to work it out. Why? Because you have not memorized multiplication, you have learned the principle of multiplication. It is the principle of multiplication that we learn in school, not the exact numbers that we do. So, there are some students who really, want well, everything memorized. So, initially still okay. Yeah, but when you go to upper primary and secondary school, gone. Why? Because you cannot memorize, you're not supposed to memorize. You're supposed to learn the principle. And that's why I can give you more complicated numbers. 1024 times 1024. For example Yeah, this is, this is the This is the computer world for 1K 1K times 1K is 1 megabyte So, should be, maybe, I think it's 16384 Uh, Anyway (coughs) Suffering Yes K is just a, a, a is just a constant. Yeah, constant k that is greater than zero. B is also a constant. C is not a constant. C is a variable. Yeah. so this is a fully formed linear equation. <laughs> so a, a fully formed linear equation must be y equals to mx plus c. So. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not very good at But actually, it's very funny. though. Because in school, we actually learned this. But for a long time, I forget. And suddenly one day, suddenly I remember it. Yeah. That they actually have this standard. If you go and look at your... The, the, the secondary school matrix, right linear equation, fully formed, y equals to mx plus c. Yeah. Then the higher order, to, to be fully formed, even if it is zero, you must put it there. Yeah. So anyway. Tell me, for Sometimes when I'm giving talks in the university, I'll tell them that if the Buddha was born in ancient Greece instead of India, he would have written it down this way. <laughs> For Noble True, one formula Celtic. Yeah. But this doesn't cover the Noble EFO Path. Yeah. The Noble EFO path is the is this arrow going downwards here. Yeah. It's the vector going down in this direction. <coughs> yeah, so the point is, like this is about the principle of, uh, in this case, this is arithmetics. Yeah. So we learn the principle, and once you have learned the principle, you can actually apply to any set of numbers. Similarly, Buddhism, um, instead of trying to, uh, instead of uh, having the the how yeah how do I know is well you can test the principle you can test the principle and so this is a, an immediate proof of the principle of the first three noble truth and it is readily uh, verifiable yeah. you don't need to be a Buddhist to verify this yeah. and so <coughs> uh, that's why it's called the truth. The first sutta that uh, actually the Buddha, the Buddha gave, Dhamma Chaka Bhavatana Sutta. Uh, there are also other suttas that talk about the form of the truth, but the first one was Dhamma Chaka Bhavatana Sutta. Uh, so you can actually find the form of the truth in, in so many suttas so if i were to start listing them then we yeah we will list until next week and we still haven't finished probably the taint of sensuality taint of uh, existence and taint of ignorance Mixed taints or the three taints, taint of sensuality, taint of existence, sometimes translated as taint of being, uh, then taint of ignorance. So to to wrap up this part, um, <clears throat> not to not to uh, to j- sort of jump the gun and think, oh, then we are enlightened really. We are not enlightened yet.
1: But even though we are not
0: enlightened, we should, from this, have the confidence that, yeah, the principle is so far sound. Uh, but don't don't just stop there, yeah continue to investigate and question this principle and see whether you can find something where it, even when I have one topic, it doesn't lead to suffering. Yeah. Even when you have great, like you know what I mean? You you, you change, change the item here. Yeah. So one, one simple way is you just use this model and you just keep changing this thing. Yeah. Every day you, you find something new to put it in and see whether you get a different result. That whenever you have attachment or want of it, then it leads to this. Yeah? And then when you don't, then it is neither. And if you can continue this investigation, then one day, uh, you will arrive at the conclusion that, yeah, this is the way it is. Next week, we will continue with this uh, on the next which is conceit. Concede. Yes? Okay.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Buddha nature, is it permanent or impermanent? Uh, as a potential, once you have attained Buddhahood, then there's no potential to talk about you are already Buddha so in that sense, it's impermanent that's one level to understand right? another level to understand is Buddha nature is not a separate thing by itself that you can actually be attached to whatever you are attached to as far as Buddha nature is concerned it's just a concept that you are attached to and concept, being concepts is dependent arising. Yeah. So let me uh, an example I used to give is dream class. I uh, will take uh, this this what is this cover? Yeah. Then, uh, I have no, I don't have the fiber marker. Yeah, I used to use fiber marker. So imagine I use a fiber marker to mark it here. Okay, uh, something that I can use to yeah, any animal is sticker. Uh, I don't know whether it's removable. Or <coughs> it must be removable uh, sticker. Uh, yeah. So, what is this? cover very good what is this <laughs> okay imagine this is actually some marking okay then now what, do we, what is this uh, stain cover Yeah. now imagine this is a stain okay so what is this now stain cover yeah now we remove the stain. What is this? Clean cover. Now suddenly we have something else called clean cover. Originally it was just cover, no stain, no no stain. But with a, with a with respect to a stain cover, then this become this has a new name, stainless cover. Yeah. So. So. Uh, when when so the the parallel is the stain cover is describing us unenlightened with stain with defilement. You remove this, then no more stain. The stainless state is called nirvana. Yeah, the stainless state is called nirvana. But uh, so. The potential the, the Buddha nature potential to be clean yeah is when you have you have this, then you talk about the potential to be clean. when you don't have this, there's not no potential to talk about huh? and when what for uh, for a person without stain, there's no stain or no stain to talk about. It's just cover. It is because we have stained. So, the Buddha, out of compassion, tells us about the stained and stainless state. But as far as the Buddha is concentrated, there's no distinction. No such duality. Uh, related to that, yes. Yeah. Okay? That's it. 愿向山藏助烦恼